Welcome back to the AMPS podcast. My name's Owen Peters, and for this episode, I'm able to bring you an AMPS Award special, which is an interview with the June Sound Team, who won the 2022 AMPS Award for Excellence in Sound for a Feature Film. Along with AMPS Chair Andrew Wilson, who you'll hear towards the end of this episode, I spoke to the June Sound Team about winning the AMPS Award, as well as their creative process on making the film soundtrack. The informal interview took place in a London hotel room ahead of the BAFTAs, using a handheld Roman mic, and following the presentation of their individual AMPS Awards trophies. In addition to talking about their sound, we were also able to get some views on the way that sound is perceived by others in the industry. So here we start the interview with each member of the team who was present in the hotel, introducing themselves and their roles on the film. I'm Ron Bartlett. I was a re-recording mixer. I mixed the dialogue and the music on Dune. I'm Mark Mangini, and I'm a co-supervising sound editor and sound designer with Theo Green to my left. Theo Green, uh, co-supervising sound editor with Mark and sound designer. I am Mac Ruth, and uh, I was the production sound mixer on Dune, but I'm really no more than a function of my larger team, including uh, George Mihai, uh, Aaron Havashi, um, uh, Zona Elisa, and uh, that was us. Yeah. Great. Thank you for that, and thank you for including the rest of the team. Congratulations to them as well. Well, my first thought was just how it feels to win the AMPS Award. It would be lovely to get your thoughts on receiving the award today. For me, the, the, the joy is a recognition from our peers because that's the highest form of recognition. AMPS clearly is a collection of the finest UK and European-based sound professionals and that they recognize Dune as high art in uh, cinema sound is uh, extraordinarily satisfying. It, it's so nice to be recognized around the world and not just at home, and especially, like Mark said, from by our peers that really know what to listen for. They made a good choice, <laughs> I might add. Yeah, I'd agree, absolutely. Uh, well, yeah, no, you can be biased at this stage. That's, that's very welcome. Um, I just thought it'd be great just to hear any of your thoughts about the process of working on Dune and developing such a unique and sophisticated alien or otherworldly soundtrack and maybe that starts with the production sound just by way of what it was like to be on what I imagine is a very grand scale set and shooting operation quite some locations as well as, as studio shoots I imagine. Well one aspect of, of this was that it was grand at, on some occasions but it was also very intimate and very fundamental you know out in the desert you know we were avoiding footsteps you know avoiding you know uh, manipulating the sand so often it was a, a bag system and one guy, one boom. And, and, uh, and that's very effective. That really goes to the, you know, the fundamental core of filmmaking. You, you know, you can't overthink, you can overthink it and overtrick it. And you need to do that with big stuff, with big communication systems, um, queuing systems and, and whatnot. But, you know, when you're just capturing artist performance, you know, with one camera out in the middle of the desert, it's it's a very fundamental event, and uh, and and we take that very seriously as well, and we're very proud to have been there, and a part of that. Thank you. Yeah, great, sure. So, from the post sound perspective, then carrying that forward, um, maybe it'd be interesting to know when you started that process uh, of designing the soundtrack for the film. I got the chance to go out to Budapest, where um, some of the shooting was being done after they did the desert shoot. Um, a lot of the sets were built in Budapest. Um, which was what they'd done for, uh, for Blade Runner 2049 before that. So it was kind of repeating a process with the director and editor that we'd had before. Only this time I knew I'd be working with um, Mark Mangini, Ron um, Bartlett and Doug Hemphill. 
So we were already kind of communicating about what we were going to, what we were planning to do. And um, as soon as we started seeing footage from the film uh, and even stills, we, were, we knew that we had some very exciting material to be working on. So, um, yeah, the, the process began in Budapest with, um, I think the first scene that I looked at was the worm chasing uh, um, Paul and his mother. So, yeah, they knew that that was going to be, an, uh, that's definitely a shot that was going to be in the film. So I think <laughs> starting with something big that they knew was going to be, um, was always going to be there. So, um, yeah, we, we both had, we had a balance of wanting to do, you know, a, a futuristic science fiction film that's, at the same time, we wanted it to be uh, every bit as realistic as a documentary. Um, that was something that kept us grounded. We didn't want to get super outlandish. We didn't want to use synthesizers. We knew that we wanted to always base our work on real life recordings. And at the same time, there's, you know, this journey that involves uh, somebody um, and their spiritual awakening. There's there's kind of spiritual technologies, if you will, in the film, like using this the voice where you're able to command anyone. So we had a few things that we had to work out all between us, how we were going to approach those things that didn't live in the sort of documentary real world, the things where we had to do something that lives outside of what we're used to hearing. Um, Mark, maybe you want to speak to what we did next. The Well, what's, what's fascinating about Dune is that our mandate from Denis Villeneuve, the director, was to create a science, the sound of a science fiction film that felt familiar and grounded in an acoustic reality. Um, that mandate is, is devilishly complex because arguably in science fiction, you are presented, the joy of science fiction is seeing things you've never seen before and then arguably hearing things you've never heard before. And yet, when you think about it, the mandate was this, make the sounds of things we've never heard before sound as if we've heard them before. And so that, that, that's a very unique challenge. We solved that uh, by creating most of the sounds of the film and by the end of it, our concordance showed 3,200 bespoke sounds that were created for the film, but only four of, or five of them were actually created with synthesizers or electronic equipment, which is to say virtually everything we created felt familiar because it started life as an acoustic recording. Okay. Wow, that's fascinating. It's, yeah, the documentary side of it, the reality, yeah. a really interesting side. So that approach, I guess, followed right the way through the mix in trying to sustain that balance yeah talk about balances you got a, a, a plethora of sounds it's a it's a real embarrassment of riches you know everything that these two gentlemen brought and max dialogue and then you add in eight thousand you know tracks of hans zimmer coming at you <laughs> <laughs> just a few uh and there was different yeah, it went through a different process than normal because of COVID, partly, but also Hans was inspired a couple different times to go back and write more stuff and add more tracks. And and at one point, I'm like, ah, okay, stop. We got to stop, and uh, we got to pre-dub this and mix it down first because there was so many tracks and it was all new, and uh, we had to rebalance a lot of things, which was great, but it really made us take another look at it and step back and go, okay, what are we going to do with this? And then. As we put all those tracks together, and it really, uh, we were mixing it at my house actually, because of uh, partly because of COVID and 
other scheduling, but uh, it was really fun. It was me and Denise and Joe when Clint uh, Bennett and Ryan all in my house and we're mixing away and, and it was just the best time ever because we're away from the studio, we're having a good time and we're just putting the whole track together. And that's where I really felt like it clicked, like it came together. And, and that mix of music is really what's in the movie. I hardly touched it when we got into the, the big stage. Um, but the process, I mean, it really goes back to one man, that's Denis. I mean, he's been working on this movie in his head since he was in, what? 13. High, when yeah, when he read it. was middle school. It's crazy. He was doing storyboards when he's 13. I mean, that's a man dedicated to this book, to this movie, and, you know, talk about, you know, no pressure there, you know, for all of us to, like, bring it, you know, so... <laughs> It was really great. It was so creative. And Denis does a thing so quietly. It's so great. Uh, and you don't realize it's happening until later. You think back on it and you're like, he really allowed us to fall on our face and try stuff that maybe worked, maybe it didn't. And, but he wants you to try it. And if you fail, no problem, because that allows you to get to the next step. You go, OK, that didn't work. Let's raise the bar and let's find something new and get to the, the good stuff, you know. And we would have to come up with something even better. And I'm like, ah, so it was very challenging, but in a really great way. You know, drive you crazy, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's excellent. Sounds really satisfying. Quite a satisfying note to end on, I think, really, because I'm noticing Andrew checking his watch slightly. I don't want to <laughs> get anyone fined for the room. Well, a couple of things I was going to say. So, firstly, um, uh, just a little thing you might be interested in, but um, the winners of the AMPS Award uh, have got an unbelievable history of going on to win some others. <laughs> Don't jinx I, it. I'm not trying to jinx it, you know, I'm just saying, you know, we've, we've got a... We've got well, a then we are deeply, deeply honoured. <laughs> we deeply love you. I'd quite like to ask the question that that is on everybody's... Um, minds right now is is and i get it if nobody wants to answer it but what are we thinking about the academy dropping the the sound award from the the main schedule does anybody want to comment on that i I kind of loved amp's statement about it and um it is um it is a shame i think for people for young people to see something like the oscars um and and to feel that there is any kind of class system there when it comes to below the line above the line i know that when i was watching the oscars as a young boy and saw composers winning and sound designers winning and you start to realize how a film is put together before you've even thought about that before you start thinking oh there's a there's a person who does this there's a person who does that maybe i could do that one day and i think something about the inclusivity of it all being in one show all live um underlined the point that making a movie is a teamwork um and something about what's happening now indicates that there's some are more equal than others, which I don't like. It's so true. I mean, it's well put because the, the the whole charm of the Oscars was that it'd be Joe Blow, who you didn't know. So yeah. the little guy would get up and be able to be there with big actors and directors, and they would get a statue, and they did an you know, amazing part in their their artistry, really. I hate using the word craft or tech or any of that because... Right. We're all artists in our own way, and including makeup and hair and, you know, everybody else, all the other, you know, below-the-line people. Uh, and to demean that, or it's, it's pretty insulting, I found. You know, and I, I let them know that because I thought that was really rude and it was not 
called for, and there was other ways to solve that. Had they discussed it with all of us, we would have come up with better ways to solve that issue and gotten the show down to three hours. So to, you know, not include us with that and kind of blindside us uh, was not very pleasant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, congratulations well, for everybody. Um, and also to, to the two people we don't have with us today, um, important that we recognize their contribution. Um, I'm just very proud to always uh, include the boom operators in the... In the... Um, very often left out of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, and Doug, uh, Doug says thank you very much, and he, he feels bad that he couldn't be here for this, but he, he, he does re it does really mean a lot to him. So Next time. June 2. Yeah. Well, we got to get him back. He retired. <laughs> My partner for so many years finally wow. retired. I'm like, no. <laughs> we'll get him back somehow. We'll pull him out of retirement. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks so much for the sound of June and for sharing the words for the podcast. We really appreciate that. Yeah. Guys. Thank, thank, you. Thank, you. Cheers. thank you. Thank you very much. So congratulations once again to Ron Bartlett, Mark Mangini, Theo Green, Mac Ruth and every other member of the June Sound team. The AMPS Awards are sponsored by Dolby Laboratories, Pinewood Group, Sennheiser and Twickenham Film Studios. And we are the AMPS Podcast. You can reach out to us at ampspodcast at gmail.com or via Twitter, we are at ampspodcast. If you'd like to know more about AMPS as an association, you can find out more about everything that we do and how to join at www.amps.net. Thanks for listening. Are you looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? Well, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance, featuring a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. Be sure to hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.